Welcome back, guys. We are back with another episode of the Day Room Podcast. Today we have a friend of mine that I haven't talked to in, what, 20? Just about. 20 plus years. Uh, Samantha Johnson. And we served in the Army together in Korea. Do you remember the year? Oh, um... Maybe 2000, 2000, no, it, had, it was after 9-11, so 2003, 2003, maybe? 2004, probably, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, introduce yourself. I don't, you were a specialist at that time, so did you move past that? No, I was specialist my whole way through. Okay. And where are you originally from? That is a tough question to answer. Um I kind of moved around all over, but I was born in Sacramento and I lived um, for the first like 14 years, like all over Northern California. And then my dad moved us to the boonies of North Idaho. And after, so I did high school there and then I left there to like, I went to Florida for a year and then I went to um, Milwaukee to finish my undergrad and joined the army after, after that. Okay. Now, did I know you were from Sacramento? Do we ever talk about um, that? It was probably something that we probably had like touched on because there is sort of like a where is where is everyone from? And if someone's from around you, there's sort of like an instant like, okay, we have we have something. Yeah. And that's yeah. probably why we had a, a bond. It yeah. Grew up in Sacramento, so um so you did high school in northern Idaho? Uh-huh. All right. Talk a little bit about that. So where um where I left California from, like I was about to go into a freshman class of like a thousand. And when we went, my dad and I remember driving around trying to find where this high school was. And we kept going past this one building. He's like, maybe that's it. And I'm like, that's obviously a correctional facility, you know, with all the sass of a 14 year old, like, no. And he was like, you know, you're right. Driving around, that was it. And I remember asking how many kids were in my class. And when she said 60, I thought I misunderheard. I misheard the how many hundred, you know? So that was, um, that was a shock. Like 60 and then, people in yeah, one being from California, class. everyone expected tan and blonde and all of, you know, knowing how to surf. And it's like, um, most of California is inland, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, so. And, you know, I probably come from potato farmers in, you know, Ireland. So there's no tan here. <laughs> yeah. So you start freshman year with a class of 60 people. Yep. Wow. I'm 60. And how was yeah. that? How was that at, like to get used to? Um, well, you've seen me new to a group. It, uh, it, I don't I don't do well at that uh, initial stage. Um. I just, it, it was kind of tough trying to figure out how I was going to, what, what was my interaction going to be? I mean, I did sports. I didn't do them well, but I did do them. Um, like I really liked volleyball, but I played basketball, not well. And, you know, I did track, but it was just something to do. But, um, I mean, I did all right. I had some really good friends, but, um, was, I, I was so excited to leave high school. I was like, you know, get me out of here. <laughs> So after high school, college was next, or did you do something between high school and college? Nope. I went I like from Idaho to Florida. I, I mean, ultimately I picked Florida because you just couldn't get much further away without leaving the country. 
Yeah. Uh, and some would say, depending on the part of Florida you went, you did leave the country. <laughs> For sure. No, what, I was like right in the middle. What like city? Between Tampa and Orlando in Lakeland. Okay. So what is that? UCF? Uh, Florida Southern College. Okay. Yeah. And tell me about that experience. That <laughs> I, I've done a lot of culture shocks, I guess, because um, I was used to like wildlife insofar as like, you got to watch out for bears or cougars and not just older ladies, but like the felines. <laughs> and, you know, you know, was no stranger to kind of being worried about that. But there were cockroaches everywhere and like the whole alligator situation. Like um, we were by Lake Hollingsworth and it was like three miles around. So I would like rollerblade around it at night because it was the only time it was cool enough. And um, you'd hear thrashing around like, you know, with the alligators and such. And I was just like, that's not for me. That's not for me. And they would call it a palmetto bug. That's a cockroach. Yeah. But I, when I was in, in uh, at Fort Stewart, they're like, oh, watch out for the palmettos. They fly. Those are roaches. Yeah. That, that and I like, was... I remember like walking at night with like my flip flops and just hearing crunch, crunch and having that like internal, like, just don't look down. That's don't look down. Um, yeah. So from there, I was like, I'm just really not built for and the humidity was just intense like um of course I did spend a lot of my military time in humid places but so yeah I went to Milwaukee and did my three years there and that's where I was when 9-11 happened um and that's what really prompted me to I you know I just wanted to do something you know I wanted to help out I wanted to do something I was really shocked that that would happen here I know like I see young people who are like I wasn't even born then that cuts deep. But um, yeah, it changed the way I saw like how America, you know, was in the world. Like we could be attacked here and just attacking civilians like that. So yeah, I, I started out with the uh, Marine OCS recruiter. And, you know, I was like, I was interested, you know, getting the information. He gave me a little disc, you know, to kind of watch their little video. And I saw them in the video running in the sand with a log over the shoulder and was like, no, that's th th plus I'm like, th there's gotta be a better way to get that log from point A to point B. Right. I just know it, you know? So I was like, that's not, that's not for me. And then a lot of the female, uh, Marino CS people were like getting, um, were flushing out from like hip fractures or something like that. And I was just like, yeah, the data there doesn't really look good. That's not going to be for me. So I did the, the ASVAB, and my scores were really good. So between Army and Air Force, I just, I had a, a smarmy Air Force recruiter. <laughs> I was just like, no. So did did the Army, and like in choosing OCS versus just regular enlisted, I mean, they show you a pay chart. Uh, that was pretty easy to choose. Right. right? And so like, that was the only thing and that swung, swayed you? you just, yeah, you finish getting your your bachelor's degree and you feel like you want to put it to use somehow. So what'd you study? Um, criminology and law studies with a psych minor. Okay. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah, I was supposed to be a I was supposed to be a an MP officer. What happened? To be, that's what I went in for. I don't know about supposed to. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So so walk me through what happened there. <laughs> so Basic training with basic training. I mean, there were definitely parts I didn't like or, you know, parts that were stressful or challenging. But then going from there to um, 
OCS at Benning, what, I mean, it made basic training look like a day at the park, you know, like a carnival. Like it was, um, it was really intense. And a lot of the stuff that like there was, there were procedures to go to sleep. I still remember like there was like a sleeping position, prepare to sleep. And, you know, you're basically at attention in the bed. And it was so ridiculous to me that like, I would giggle. I couldn't keep it, you know, I couldn't keep it together. Um, they'd have a seeing down this hallway. We were terrible. Like the whole thing, I was just like, there was, you know, the forced hydration and the pull-ups and all of this stuff and like dragging your face in the mud, you know, with the low crawling and just so much running. And, um, the thing I would say, like as a criticism would be, it's, it's kind of, it's mixed. There's like two, two channels to go into OCS. One would be you're enlisted and you, you, you know, you got your degree, you're ready to, you know, bump it up, go the officer route. So that's somebody who understands the military and what it means to be an officer. And then you've got total idiots like me who just came in just, I mean, our only experience is basic training doesn't even really hadn't even really interacted with an officer i mean basic training it's all drill sergeants ncos you know it's none of that so like i i didn't know why i was there like i didn't like they so they just didn't they they didn't give you any help any it's like there was a lot of people washing out just really fast and there weren't a lot of females to begin with but the females were washing out at a at a faster rate and Cause like the people who had like the college experience were doing fine on like all of the, the book learning pieces and couldn't, couldn't shine a boot, you know, like not well. And what, what the hell is this? I remember trying to go and talk to, I don't remember his rank. I just know he was an NCO about like, what does an officer do? And like just the procedure to like get in to talk to him. There was like this specific like knocking thing and like, call and response thing and I couldn't get it right. And so I'm standing in the doorway, tears just down my face, which is not common for me to just be that kind of emotional anger, sure, but crying not as much and trying really hard to like do the thing. And he was just like, Johnson, just get in here. Right. And I'm like, I don't understand what officers even do. Like, and this poor guy is just like, nobody knows, you know, like, (laughs) but you know, so I, I watched out. I had, um, shin splints and all of this stuff and like I got washed out and like had zero desire to go back I I mean I it wasn't until I was really in a unit where I was like oh that's what officers do and even then you're only interacting with like one or two and rarely so I went needs of the army and I had high scores and I guess they needed air traffic controllers I wrote a memorandum Meshach I wrote this 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 memorandum about why they should have made me um like a paralegal And I mean, it was well-reasoned. It was logical. I had it all lined out. I was like, for sure, they're going to switch me over to this paralegal track. That's not, that's not, that's not how the army works at all. So (laughs) wait, so this was, you were still at Benning. Yeah. Waiting to, to ship out to Fort Rucker. Well, for a while, they kind of have you in this like weird holding pattern in this like strange little unit, like, cause there's people who get like injured, like they are, you know, something gets fucked up. And so then they're like, they're healing and they're getting ready to go back in because, you know, they knew why they wanted to be an officer. Right. Um, and then there's other people who are going needs of the army. Air traffic control was relatively popular 
or common, I guess. So like there was another gal who I'm still really good friends with. And I mean, I, I was, you guys maybe thought I wasn't, um, super like on board, um, in Korea, but like they were yelling at us in formation in the morning. Does nobody know how to dress it right? And hearing me with my flippant, just, I was like, no, show me how to dress it right. We all got smoked and I made a really great first impression there. It was just like, what is the point of any of this? That was, um, that's really the first time I'd really, really failed at something I had tried to do. I mean, you think about how young we were. Like, I just, I I couldn't even get out of this, you know? Like, I couldn't even be like, okay, we tried it. Let's shake hands and part ways. I was just like, I felt so stuck and so stupid and so, like, mad at myself. Like, how how did this happen? Because my recruiter, everybody likes to talk about their recruiter. OCS, he said, is like college with a little PT. It is not. No, it's not. No, it's intense. Well, what's crazy is you get dumped into this after going through a full four years of college. So, you know, you freshman year, of course, you come in and you're trying to get the hang of school. Sophomore, junior, senior year, you got it all down. Senior year especially, you're like, hey, I'm a grown up. Look at all these babies. And then you get dumped into OCS and you're starting over, but with a lot of spice added. And, you know, and it's the army. So I don't think that they taught when you did you go? Did you do ROTC at all in college? No. So you had zero knowledge of how the military worked. No. And I mean, as like. Constantly being like, what's the reason behind this? Why? Why this? Is there a better way to do it? Like, that's just how I approach things. And that was just incompatible with the military. At the same time, I there were a lot of like I wouldn't want to relive my time at Benning, but I had a lot of really bright moments. Like there's I I know people were calling it drown proofing, but it wasn't like that thing where it's like on the ocean and you are like kind of drowning. It like it with a pool where you got to jump off the high dive and you got to come out without your gear on and they throw you in backwards and you got to swim the length of the pool and you're in your stuff with your rifle and everything. I was so terrified of that whole thing. And, um, but I got it, I got it all first try all the way through. And that felt like a really big win. Mostly I was just terrified to have to do it again. Like swimming the length of the pool. I was like, I was like halfway and like having this like moment of like, I I hate this. Just, you know, where you just like, I was shaking up on top of the, the diving board and he's like, are, you know, are you, are you scared? Are you cold? And I was like, just, just, just happy to be here, you know, just, you know, not trying to get in trouble, you know? But so that was like a little, a little moment where I did, I did all right. Um, I did see some really good leadership from some of the other people in there, like on the ruck marches, I, I struggled, I couldn't keep up. And a couple of, and like, I had to kind of run to keep up, but you weren't allowed to run. So I had, there were a couple guys that would kind of hang near me and they'd let me know when the, um, they weren't looking so I could run up, <laughs> you know, they'd be like, now, stop, now, See, stop. Bat- true battle buddies. Yes. Like that was, that was, um, that was real leadership, really. You know, it, it wasn't that I didn't want to, I, I couldn't, I couldn't physically have my stride long enough. Um, so yeah, you know, and that's. To me, that's like, that's how you do in, in like, that's the army right there to me. Yeah. 
you know, everybody's helping each other out, even when you don't like each other. <laughs> you well, know, there's a lot of that. Too, but then so. somebody else talks crap about somebody you don't like in your unit, and you're like, no, that's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you leave Benning, finally get to Rucker, and were, were you treated like a regular IET soldier or a TDY soldier? Uh, it was, I was treated like an IET soldier, but then I had my car there. And so they took my keys, but I had a second set that I held on to because <laughs> I would hold them. I would hold them and be like, I can leave. I choose to stay like that, you know, oh my cause God. I would think about it and I'd be like, AWOL, dishonorable discharge. No, that's not really in line with what I'm trying to do. Like, it just felt like you had a little bit of control and you, you probably really didn't. Yeah. But well, and that just felt like school. Like that felt that was fine. Well, I mean, at, with the plus the marching and drill sergeants and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 For Rucker, yeah, so much of it was just like you know, like six inches from the tip of your finger, and you know, I'd be like muttering under my breath, "Go, go, gadget ruler!" Like this is so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Our arm length isn't uniform. This is dumb. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, you you fall into it like. You can only resist so long before it's easier to go along. And that is the difference between an 18-year-old coming into the Army and a 22-year-old, 21, 22-year-old. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're like, why are we doing this? Why do, why do my boots need to be shiny? They're going to get scuffed. Then I got to shine them again. Why am I ironing this stupid uniform every day? We're not, I mean, nobody's going to see me. Like, right? Like, yeah. if we're supposed to be looking nice, why are we in BDUs? Yeah. <laughs> This is battle dress. Like, it's in the name, people. Right. And I can't do my hair the way I want. Like, Yes. All, all of those little things. Like, I remember in basic, we weren't allowed to have chapstick, but I snuck, I snuck cherry chapstick and I had it like, um, you know, the little lip of the thing there and I would pull it out. And every once in a while, the drill sergeant would be in there like, I snuck cherry chapstick. And I'd be like, <laughs> Gosh, I don't know who would do that. Who would do such a thing? Are you sitting here? <laughs> right, like hmm. the person but, with the yeah. shiniest lips is like, I, I didn't see anybody do anything. Right. Well, oh, that in tweezers because we weren't allowed to like tweeze things, but eyebrows be getting out of hand. But so I would, I would sneak in and and just just some of the major ones because you couldn't you couldn't have them looking too good. People would know. Yeah. Well, you, you remember I went to the field with you, so. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Well, it's like, a, it's, but I think that's one of the things I liked about your leadership style. Even if it was like, we're about to do something dumb today, you would just be straight about it. We're about to do something dumb. This has no real purpose other than to make us look busy. And I'd be like, okay, I understand what we're doing and why. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, again, I've talked about this on previous episodes. I had amazing leadership when I first joined. Um, I wasn't, I was a good soldier but I made dumb mistakes and got in trouble early on. And if it wasn't for the fact that those guys just taking care of me and then showing me how to do things properly, um, I probably would have been out of the army after my first year. But, yeah. you know, having that quality leadership early, those guys having faith in me and, and really just steering me in the right direction, being those father figures that I needed, um, paved the way for my leadership style and Sergeant Kelly, you know, yeah. were we there together for a while? Yeah, but you had, you had, you'd been there and like Baez wasn't there yet. And I knew, I knew Baez from AIT. It was pretty much rough for me. 
um, until Bias got there because Bias is easily likable. He's instantly likable. He just likes people. He wants to tell stories. He wants to hear your story. And um, I didn't know what the hell I was doing there. And like, I think about like how I kind of introduced myself to Sergeant Stewart, where I was like, hey, I have no interest in air traffic control. I'll, you know, I'll follow every lawful order you give me, but I don't want to be here. Just, I just figured, you know, let's, let's get to it. And I think I just kind of like broke his brain because I don't think that was something that you guys had learned at like PLDC. What if they just are not interested in this MOS at all? Especially since so many people worked so hard to get it. Right. And then here I was like, I don't care about this at all. Well, I think one of the cool things, um, about our crew and and you let me just say how lucky you were to to drop into our platoon uh we we all understood once we learned your story yeah we kind of knew and we were used to having people that that came into the unit or and and air traffic control is a small fraternity throughout the army so you're always going to see if you stay in long enough you'll see that person again at some point so having worked with the the same people over and over you know you people get burnt out or you go from the ttcs to um radar yeah. and you know it, it's not like infantry where you just go and do this and you know every time you go to a different duty station what you're going to be doing um you may be put in in route you might be put in flight following or you know different yeah. things and you may not like it so we've been um, we've been taught to adapt each time we go to a different unit. I, I hated radar. I didn't like to be in that big stupid box. And I always wanted to do it. I never got to do it. No, it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> in that, in this, in this MOS, that's you know, that's what we deal with. So somebody would come to a, a unit and be like, "Oh shit, I got to work with the TTCS. I never have. I don't like it." So it was, you know, okay. we'll take this approach that. Johnson doesn't like being an air traffic controller, but she's stuck. So let's just welcome her and, and take care of her. Yeah. I did like the radio piece. Like Sergeant Kelly got me learning the Harris 5000. Yes. And I liked that. And I liked the TTCS, honestly. Um, when we're controlling air traffic, I care a lot about not hurting somebody <laughs> or you know damaging anything and doing a good job. But um it's like my palms would always sweat. I always had to use my grease pencil on the windows. Um, yeah. I mean, in school, when we were doing the radar piece, that's where I was like, well, this is fun, right? Like, this is fun. And well, I know a lot of people wash out, but that's when it started to be kind of fun. But who 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 did we have before Sergeant Kelly? Because that guy sucked. He had us out there, like, washing tires in the motor pool and shit. You know what? I don't know. Um... Probably because he sucked. Well, and like, not everyone's welcoming. Like, even people that I I got on with later, like, I remember just kind of feeling just so kind of stuck. Like, um, they talked to me about, hey, maybe you should do the helicopter pilot thing, you know? And like, I was just like, I just want to finish my time. You know, like, I just want to finish my time. Like, I'm like, well, I'm interested in that, but would I have to extend? And they were like, yes. And I was like, well, then no thanks. <laughs> like I've already, I've already tried something that didn't work out and I'm not trying to repeat that mistake. No, I do remember the first impression that I got was, Oh, she's supposed to be an officer. Like you just had officer vibes when you first got there. 
And yeah, I didn't, I never, and, and a lot of people just assume made some like assumptions. Like I didn't, I don't actually, even as much like, you know, being in like a corporate world and working for myself, I don't really ever want to be in charge. Right. Um, I don't think many officers want to be in charge. It's, you know, yeah. they, they went to college, the standard of living kind of probably similar to what you did. They look on the pay scale. Oh, look, I get paid more here. Sweet. Yeah. Who's our captain? I remember him asking me, do you feel like you got like, you know, kind of tricked by the army? And I, I, it was one of those where you like, I was like, is this, am I allowed to answer this? You know, <laughs> like, uh, but well, and then I had, you know, one of the first times I was, you know, in the run, somebody, an NCO came up and was like running alongside me like, Hey, so you've got a bachelor's degree and I've got a GED. Do you think that makes me smarter than you? <laughs> or make you smarter than me and I was just like (laughs) you know like (laughs) like and and because I'm a smart ass I was like no I just think it makes me more educated like yeah (laughs) which didn't go over well like I wasn't really I wasn't in a place where I knew why I want I I didn't want to be there I didn't know why I wanted to be there I didn't know how to get through this or get out of it or how to even really connect with anybody and I was really just so kind of like trying to figure out what to do with like my whole life like because it just kind of derailed everything like I thought I would do well at this I thought I was going to do this and I had this plan and it was just like I don't know what the hell I'm doing I don't know how to I don't know how to fix it or pivot or adjust I remember a point where you I could I could tell that you were kind of at your breaking point where you know you you were probably super overwhelmed you you're in Korea this, and you're doing something that you, you know, you didn't think you were going to be doing. Yeah. And then I remember we went out one night and you just had a blast. Like, yeah, that really changed it. Yeah. Well, you taught me, like, I remember you taking me out to the villa a couple of times and I just was so kind of like withdrawn from everyone and everything. And I was like, okay. And like, you were, you were the NCO. So I was like, I feel like I kind of have to, and like, all right. And I had fun out there. Like you showed me how to um, barter, you know, and like, I think that's a really useful skill. Like I remember coming back to the States after that being like, what do you mean the price is the price? Let's talk about <laughs> it. Um, yeah. That and like, do you remember, this is one of my favorite memories of you. We were on a bus with, it was like mostly Korean nationals and it was like you and me. And I can't remember the other person. But I was sitting on the bus and there was Korean national next to me and he like rests his hand on my thigh and like my whole body just like stiffens and I'm just like international incident. Don't cause an international incident. You don't want to stay in Korea longer. You keep making mistakes that keep like, you know, and I was just like, ah, and you like turn around and saw me and you were like, do you want to change seats? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so you swap seats with me and then the, the same guy rests his hand on your thigh. Oh. <laughs> so yeah. I had been in Korea before. That was yeah. my second time there. And I, I just know how they operate. Um, and if you if you don't let me go back. So yeah. my first the first time I went to Korea, it was I was nineteen years old. I had no idea. I'd never met actual Korean people from Korea. And Sacramento, you know, we got people from everywhere. So um but they're American 
people from Vietnam or Thailand or Korea, you know, their family members are, are all um, cultured from those countries. They may be second generation. So my first experience, I fly in, and I think it's like Labor Day weekend. So it's a long weekend. Everybody is out of the barracks. And the Katusas, they're getting ready to take a shower to go home for the weekend. But all the yeah. Americans are already in the ville. They're already gone. Yeah. And I, I mean, I remember waking up and I go to take a shower. Bathroom's clear. There's nobody in there. And I'm washing my face. And then I start hearing people. So I'm like, yeah. okay. You know, and I'm one of those guys, like, I, I don't want to be right by the door. I have to be all the way in the back of those big bay shower. And when I wash my soap off my face, I turn around and it's just full of katusas everywhere. So now I'm like, holy shit, I don't know any of these guys and the door's over there. How do I get yeah. there? And I'm just kind of going. And now the water's getting cold because I've been in there for a while. And I just happened to look over and one of the they, katusas start turning the water off because now all the showers are getting cold. And one guy still had soap on his butt. And another katusa goes over and wipes the soap off of his butt in the shower. And I, that and was... Yeah, I was like, what just happened? So I haul ass out, go shower, and I tell my roommate, he came back. I tell him about that. He's just dying laughing, and he's like, it's a Korean thing. Don't worry about it. And then I would see those guys holding hands as they're walking to the bus. And, you know, if there are no seats, they sit on each other's lap. And it was just a cultural thing. So, yeah. Right. And like, for me, I'm like, uh, we're not like that in America. And even so, I'm still less like, you know, people are like, hey, let's give each other hugs. And I'm just like, I don't know you like that. Yeah, we don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) But no, you know, that's one of the things. And Sergeant Stewart and I talked about it, um, that his goal was to make sure that our squad was a family. That's it. You look after each other. I don't I don't give a damn about anything else. No matter who says what, if you don't like that person, once they get in our squad, that's, that's your brother, that's your sister. You take care of them. Yeah. And so that was, that was my goal. You know, make sure yeah. you had everything you needed, make sure you knew what you needed to know, um, and you were squared away. Yeah, you did a good job at that. After Korea, where'd you go? Uh, back to Rucker. And so, like, I really wanted to go to Andalusia. And Sergeant Kelly had talked to whomever and was kind of, I was kind of trying to like, it looked like that was going to happen. And then when I got there, a different NCO from a tower saw me and decided he wanted me on his, on his tower. So plans got derailed. And um, that was, you know, it's a real tower. <laughs> like So I was just like, I don't. I don't like this at all. There's no, there was nothing like, oh, I can, you know, learn about the radio, setting up antennas, you know, any, there was no, it was just air traffic control. <laughs> I know that sounds terrible, but um, yeah, I didn't like it at all. But I was able, like, I knew I was leaving, you know, I knew I wasn't gonna, I wasn't trying to re-up. I didn't think that was good for either of us, me or the army. <laughs> and uh, there was an ops um, position open. And I was like, pick me, pick me. I want ops. And um, everyone thought I was crazy because they're like, you're going to lose. What did we get? Like a hundred extra dollars a month for being rated. Yep. 
And I was like, I don't even want to get rated. This is, that's fine. I don't, I don't need it. I would pay you a hundred dollars to not have to do this. And plus like, I was like, how is any of this going to help me get a job? Like, I don't want to do anything in air traffic control. What does that even translate to? Like, so at least I could be like, it would be like an office assistant kind of thing. So I did that. And I, I actually ended up really liking it. Um, we had a good commander, Captain Mulder. Um, and so, yeah, it was just, I do work a little bit better on my own. Um, and I like, I like keeping, you know, keeping track of things. Cause like in Korea, I ended up doing publications and getting those all squared away as much as they could be. And then like doing training manuals and tests and stuff like that. I was like, okay, I feel like I'm doing something, but yeah, well, and then I was planning, like I was applying to law schools because like, that was my plan. Okay. I'll go to law school. And, um, then I got pregnant. So, and it was like, I was due in September and that's when school started. And so at first I was like, well, I'll put it off and then I'll start working on paralegal certificate. So I did get it. I started it before I got out and finished it afterwards. But, you know, having worked in law offices and stuff, I'm glad I did go to law school. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it would have been different, though, as a, an attorney? Like if you would have worked in a law firm as a as a practicing attorney? Um. So, like, I worked in uh, the the longest that I did with the uh, law piece was as a legal assistant at the city attorney's office. So criminal prosecution, but misdemeanors mostly and infractions. And so interacting with a lot of attorneys and I wouldn't say any of the attorneys that I worked with, but some of the other, you know, the opposing counsel, you don't have to be smart to be a lawyer. Plenty of them aren't at all. (laughs) So um, and it just, I don't know, for how much law school costs and how much being a lawyer pays. And then you're kind of locked into it to pay off those loans. Yeah. Kind of glad. Like, well, and I got kind of bored. It took a while, though, because, you know, crime is interesting. <laughs> you know, like this and you're like, nobody could possibly do this stupid thing. Oh, my God, they did. <laughs> um so actually the day after Halloween was always my favorite because then you get to watch people do DUIs in costume. No shit. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Real sobriety they, tests in costume. And they just lock them up. Was, with there was this big guy. Do you remember? Oh, there was like some album cover back when we were young that had like the, a little girl in a bee costume. You know what I'm talking about at all? I have a shit memory. <sighs> so there was this like large man in, in this little girl's bee costume. Um, doing his field sobriety tests. I mean, that's gold. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. I, like I never even thought about that. People who are trying to that. get away, like, yeah. I never even thought about that. With Halloween coming up, I might go sit in a court <laughs> just to watch people. Yeah. That's hilarious. You know, I, you still have that video I sent you a couple years ago, the video I found. We used to mess Probably. with you so much. I looked like a swamp monster coming out of the back of that. <laughs> drool just everywhere. Like, I think I had drool and everything. God, that was, was the funniest. Yeah, because so I still like to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> I I just remember us pulling pranks on you and doing goofy shit like that. Like, no, go ahead, Samantha, go go to sleep. We'll we'll be yeah, over here. Yeah, it's fine. It's <laughs> like, well, I'm tired enough that whatever is going to happen, fine. I'll get some sleep first. 
And I, I just, I remember you waking up and looking over the seat and just drool all on the side of your face. <laughs> yeah, just, and it, you could see it. It was just, it was quite damp. Yeah. No, I mean, there's things that, like, as much as, like, you know, I talk about, like, I really didn't want to be there. I didn't like this. I didn't like that. I really struggled with this. Um, I'm still really grateful for my service, you know, for my time in. Like, there's there's things you can't, I don't know how you would replicate that. Because applying for jobs afterwards, and they're like, tell me about a time where you've had a lot of stress. Or, you know, you've had to respond well. And it's like, ATC in the Army, I think this does it right there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, there's just. They're like, okay, moving on. <laughs> so did you have a hard time like adjusting to civilian life? Yeah, I still do. Especially okay. right now. Cause like I remember just being just so like I it, it never occurred to me that I would have a problem with it because that's where we came from, you know? It's not it it wasn't new in the way that but I did not like anybody calling me by my first name. And I, you know, why is everyone so slow? Move the purpose. Let's do this. And why are you complaining that we have to wait a few minutes? Like, just, I was so frustrated. Somebody pointed out that you're not a civilian. You're a veteran. And I was like, oh, thank God. I just can't be, you know, like, and just, you know, just out and about anywhere you find another veteran, there's suddenly it's like an easy way to communicate. Like, you have an expectation, like, there's some expectations you have of this other person that like, Oh, we're the same. We can communicate. Yes. That's different from anyone else. Uh, one of the first job I had out, I was a receptionist and, um, I looking back, it's obvious to me now I was wearing like the three piece suit because in looking back, that's the closest to BDUs. You got your shirt underneath, you got your jacket, you got a button up, you know what I mean? Like it, it was like, okay, I was trying to do what felt comfortable, you know, like, and it was like, you could take your jacket off. And I was like, I don't, I don't think so. No, no. <laughs> and whenever I had to put someone on hold, I kept telling them to stand by. And, you know, they kept being like, stop doing that. And I was like, okay, you know, but it's, it's, it's in there, you know, like, that's how, that's how we do this. And we're to the point, especially, you know, like excess verbiage, you know, just get to the point. When you get into these corporate emails where you have to start out with, hi, you look nice today, blah, 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 please, could you, thank you, would you have a moment, like all of this, like, bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like, I can pick the information out to get the information that I need from your email, but if you want me to throw this fluffy crap in there. To make you feel good. Yeah, it just, it's not... It's like that's not efficient. That's not effective. I'm telling you, it's a it's a major reason why I just stick to doing Uber. Um, every in in every corporate setting that I've worked in, I I just don't fit in, unless I was working like I worked for University of Phoenix military enrollment, so I'm mm-hmm. around a bunch of veterans. Yeah, and that was great. But then working for Marriott, um, it would bug me when people come in and they're. It's like you just got on shift. How are your pants dirty and wrinkled already? You know, yeah. you, you you're wearing flip flops. Well, nobody's going to see my feet. I'm standing behind the desk. That's not the point. There's a dress yeah. code. Follow the dress code. Or you know, I would always. I didn't like to put pictures or of my family on my desk. So my desk is always clean if I'm not using it. I leave for the day. Everything goes in the drawer, and I would get 
approached in the morning like hey are you planning on uh checking out of here or something it's like no well why don't you put some pictures up well because this is work and that's home and i want to separate the two you know i don't think about work when i go home and when i come through the door i don't think about my family i think about work yeah and but that was always a problem yeah there's lots of little like things like that where it's like why does that why is that what I think so working in some of the corporate setting, just seeing how people will kind of treat their teammates shitty or like be competitive, try to put somebody down or try to steal their ideas, stuff like that. Um, I just found that just, that just, that would just piss me off and just kind of make me be like, this isn't, this isn't a team. Not really. Right. Like y'all don't know what a team is, you know, like, uh, different things like that. I do think like, um, working for myself is just it's easier I know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and if I end up trying something that like doesn't necessarily work with my business I know why I did it and I learned something from it and just that whole after action review I think that's that's like we should just be teaching that just at every level just because yeah okay how did this go what went wrong what could we do better oh my gosh just the fact that that was so revolutionary to try to introduce anywhere I was just like, are you kidding? We all have to just smile and pretend everything went great. How are we going to prove anything? Right. Well, you try try to implement that today. And if you tell somebody that they did something wrong, now you're picking on them. And it, it, it's it's bonkers. I, I can't even, my kids, well, my, my youngest daughter plays soccer. And after every game, and she's done this since she was six, after every game, we'll talk about what she did wrong. We'll talk about what she did right. And then we'll talk about steps to improve what she did wrong and how to um, maintain what she did right. She's done this since she was six years old. And so when she'll come straight over to me after she shakes hands with the the opposing team, the other players are, oh, let's go to Chick-fil-A. Let's go to In-N-Out Burger. Nope. She's coming straight over to dad and she's going to ask me, hey, did you did you watch the full game? You know, what what did I what did I do? Yeah. And, and she still well, that's actually it. helpful. It's useful. Yeah. But I have other parents that that will come up to me and like, you know, why is she she seems like she's scared to go and hang out with the other girls or they're going to go and do this. And, you know, if you're not around, then she's more apt to go do that. I'm like, well, that's fine. But this is her idea. And she's done it since she was little that, yeah. you know, if we talk about things she processes and she goes and works on it if i'm not there then she doesn't you know need to talk to me she'll call me when she's in the car and they're like oh well don't you think you should just let her be a kid well that's why my kid's going to get a scholarship and yours isn't well plus like the thing i don't understand about that just like the whole like this is they're trying to be a kid i'm like yeah so they're supposed to be making mistakes exactly and they're supposed to be learning from them like this is the safe time to make mistakes yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Well, and the thing that I, I, I can't fathom how they don't comprehend this. Okay. So let's say she makes the mistakes. We don't talk about it so, and implement a plan for her to, to fix those mistakes. And now she's 18. She's going to college, she goes off into the workforce. She doesn't have that opportunity because if you make too many mistakes, nobody's going to talk to you. They're just going to get rid of you and, and, put somebody in the position that can actually do the job that they don't have to retrain you know so i'm she's developing a skill 
that's going to be necessary to survive on our own. Yeah. Well, and even just, just the process of learning, like I did, I did my best, but I could do this a little bit differently, you know, just your shit stinks just like everybody, you know what I mean? And it's okay. You know, because I think if you don't have that experience of like, I can improve on this and then you do it like when you get older and then how are you going to, you know, how are you going to have that distress tolerance for failing at something that really matters to you? Exactly. Well, I mean, and I'm sure you see kids now that their entire life, they've been told that they're just great. They're good at everything. They, you know, you don't need to do better. Here's a trophy for showing up. And now we're starting to see as those kids could get out into the workforce and in adulthood that they just are demanding everything. They, They, you know, well, why does that person get promoted? And I don't, we got here at the same time. Well, the other piece is the sociability can be a really big factor, yeah. like the likability kind of piece. Um, I remember when my daughter was like in, it was in like before middle school, but she's um she's kind of a sassy know-it-all, you know, hand raiser. No idea where she got that from. No, but at the same time, so I'm an introvert. So if I'm going to have just a couple really good friends, that works well for me. But she's an extrovert. So she's just out here you know, boss and tattling and being like, I wasn't a tattletale though, but, um, why don't, why are they all upset at me? And like having to just go over and over, like people don't like that. So you either got to rein that in and then you can have more friends or you got to not care so much about having all these friends, you know, like you've got to pick a lane. Right. So, I mean, if I just told her you're perfect, just the way you are. And, like, there was this one kid that, like, always wanted to play with her that she just did not like, just to her core. And, like, she would always, like, come up to her and stuff. And she'd be, like, one time this little girl comes up to me, you know, she doesn't want to play with me. And I'm, like, she doesn't have to. Why do you want to play with someone who doesn't want to play with you? Exactly. She was just, like, (laughs) you know, like. How old was she then? How old? Yeah. Uh, Now? No, no, back then. um, when you. And oh, how old was she then? Yeah. Probably like nine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't like, you know, three or something where you're like, hey, that's how it is. But um, yeah, I got, I got nine and 18 now. My girls. Wow. Yeah. So 18 year old, she's a senior or she's off to college? No, oh, she's a senior. She is um, nervous. Yeah. <laughs> like, I keep telling her it's unrealistic to expect an 18 year old to have their whole life figured out, you know, like, so understand that that expectation is, is inherently bullshit. Your yeah. brain's not even done. <laughs> like, So yeah. what's the plan? I, I get real nervous when I, cause she, I am a planner, right? So I've always got like a five and 10 year plan, even if I'm not fully aware of it. But she, she's not. She's really kind of in the moment, and it makes me really nervous. Um, but I've known people, that, like um, that same gal that I was in OCS with, where I made a terrible first impression. Um, she's like, I was like that. And now she's like, she's got a government job. She's like, GS something, double digits, you know, living a good life. And I keep thinking about her. I'm like, it's okay. It's, it's so different. And she's... Um, like she, I think she could be an engineer. She does really well with like math and the, the 
physial or what's it called the spatial reasoning or something and she's in some kind of like program at the local community college where she goes there half the day but it's like she's like machining but it's like supposed to be mechanical engineering but yeah so it's like she's doing all this stuff where I'm like I have no idea what she's doing or you know like I I feel like I can't contribute so I just I'm like I'm just I'm just team you and um I'm just nervous because you're doing stuff I don't understand but I'm I'm you know <laughs> I'm on your team I'm on your side you know yeah that's my son is one of those people that his senior year I I didn't even send out invitations to his graduation because I didn't think he was going to graduate. He rode really? the entire school year with Fs. Well, he had an A in AP engineering because that's what he liked. Everything wow. else was like, I mean, I don't like ceramics, so why, why am I going to do anything in there? Like every class except for engineering, he had an F. And I'm thinking like, well, I guess he's going to be a senior with his little sister next year. And <laughs> Literally, like three weeks or a month before, I just start watching his grades go up in each class. And yeah. I was just like, why couldn't you put that effort in throughout the year? Like, you wait to the end of the year. And he, and he graduated with like a 3.0. Nice. At the last second. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to leave him alone. He, didn't, he decided he didn't want to go to college like two weeks before his freshman orientation. So I was like, all right, whatever, man. You go figure it out. And he got himself a good job and started working. And I was like, all right. Yeah. Well, like the world has changed so much. Like, you know, like our parents' generation, my parents were just like, all you need is a college degree and everything will fall into place. And having lived through what bullshit that is. Um, I'm just, and it, everything keep, is changing even more rapidly than it did then. I'm just like, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. I just know you should have a wide variety of skills and uh be good to people treat all people well and um that's it <laughs> like, yeah. you know um if you're gonna go to college for something let's calculate out how much that costs and what kind of job you can get with that and make sure that that's cost effective because i did go back for i used my gi bill to get an mba which um it's a lot of good information but <laughs> good information yeah. no purpose so what are you doing now? In 2017, I started a, um, a subscription a subscription box. So it's bath and body type stuff. And um, eventually started making some of it myself. I mean, the primary motivator was like, I can put costs down and increase my margins. Um, and like, I kind of started it with the intent of like, my goal is to learn something from this, you know, like real practical business application like I didn't have like and this is going to go this is going to do great um but like everything you learn in the army getting it done doing the stuff that you don't want to do just and then getting it done and then doing this and like stuff you learn in business school about like you got to pivot and you got to pay you know things to pay attention to so that you aren't getting too far down like the wrong path you know you kind of recognize it a little sooner um but yeah, we did we did really well through COVID, especially. I think people were stuck at home, had a little extra money from not going anywhere. So subscription boxes were doing better then. But um yeah, like it's 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 like it's good. There's it's not like all good. Like when if yeah, if my kids have anything, I can go. Yeah. You know? But um I work a, I 
I work a lot of times when other people aren't working. Yeah. I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so like it's, it's, it's easier. Well, if people wanted to get some subscription boxes, how would they go about doing that? Well, it's bathbevy.com is it's our website. And we're currently like us uh, USA today has their 10 best thing going on where you can, we're in the like health and wellness subscription box category. So um, if you want to take a moment, go in there and vote like all of our socials. I've got it kind of promoted, but like we've been on right like now. Buzzfeed and in style and, you know, featured here and there. Bath. There it is. Yeah. And if you scroll down on that page, it'll tell you the other places uh, that I can't remember that we've, we've had like some kind of little feature or something in. USA Today, 10 best in style. Very well mined. Okay. Birdie. Yeah. Yeah, that and that was weird. I had no idea we were on there until I was like looking at our analytics, and we're like, "Why are we getting traffic from Birdie? Birdie, what's that?" <laughs> so, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys, go to bathbevy.com and get some awesome stuff. Let me look at the fall picks. Oh yeah, yeah. There are times where it it feels um, like the social, like you have to do a lot. You have to wear all the hats. So the areas where like you know. I do have someone that does the photography, thank goodness, because my photos are terrible. But, um, yeah, doing all of the social media. Yeah, this is awesome. And and that's something that I'm just, uh, I'm only a few episodes in, and I haven't even started a website yet. Um, but ho- hopefully over the next couple of months, I'm able to do that, get things going, because there's a lot of good information um, yeah. that I want to put out. You know where it, it relates to VA benefits, uh, VA healthcare eligibility. Yeah, VA is for really different. Like, like going from the Spokane VA over here now to the Ann Arbor VA, entirely different. Just like night and day different. What I do you mean? Um, I had a lot of really negative experiences at the Spokane VA, and then I've I've only had really positive experiences at the ann arbor va like i remember talking to somebody you know different friends of like what's their experience and that they were just having just entirely different kind of kind of experience than i was and i'm like okay i get it it wasn't just me yeah like yeah or you're trying to figure out your benefits and what you should be doing with this that or the other or what's changed because i remember applying for going through to do the mba i thought it was still what, like chapter 35 or whatever for GI Bill benefits. So I was expecting to still be paying all of this stuff. And then it was like, actually, we're going to pay the whole thing directly to the college. And I was like, say what now? And you're going to get BAH. That was phenomenal. Yeah. 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 So when they switched from the MGIB to the post 9-11. Yeah. Yeah. That was a game changer. For sure. And then you could pass it off to your kids if you had some left. Yeah, I don't, I, I think I had a little bit left and I kept trying to figure out like, how can I use that? Like, you know, like, what can I do with that? Um, we were trying to see if I could pass off. I'll have to look. I, I doubt it, but it's always worth, it's always worth looking. Yeah. I think you, you would have had to do it while you were still in, but I don't know if they've changed the rules. I got to look that, look into that. Yeah. Cause like I did, uh, I finished my paralegal certificate with the, um, chapter 35 or whatever, the GI bill. and then. So that was like where they would give me the money and then I'd have to give the money to the school. And that was really stressful because like the school would be like, we need the money now. And I'm like, I'm still waiting on, you know, I'm still waiting on it. Yeah. They they say they'll do it. Like, I can't tell them what to do. 
Um, yeah, so that was a lot easier. Well, this this is awesome. I love catching up with you. Um, I hope we can do this again, maybe when we have uh, a couple of other people from Korea or sure. even Rucker. All right, well, I will chat with you later, Samantha. Okay, you have a good one. <laughs>